Hi, I'm Andrew, and this is the Daily Keenon podcast about today's global crisis. The coronavirus pandemic is dramatically disrupting not only our own daily lives, but also society itself. This show features conversations with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers about the deeper economic, political, and technological consequences of the pandemic. It's the daily podcast trying to make long-term sense out of the chaos of today's global crisis. It's just another day in late July 2020, this endless hot summer. Two headlines caught my attention this morning. The first is that Amazon stock went up almost 8% in a single day, which made Jeff Bezos $13 billion richer, which I think is a record. The other piece of news is that in Oklahoma, uh, there are overnight lines to claim unemployment. Many of the people in the lines in Oklahoma are small business people, people who have never been unemployed before. Might seem to many of us that things cannot continue as they are in terms of this profound inequality in global capitalism. And it's not just journalists like myself who think that. Sir Ronald Cohen is a very distinguished British or Anglo-Israeli industrialist and philanthropist, a very successful man in his own right. And he's just come out with a new book called Impact, Reshaping Capitalism to Drive Real Change. And one phrase that I caught at the beginning of his book is, things cannot continue as they are, and he was referring he was referring to the the inequalities in global capitalism now ronnie i know you you wrote that book uh before the current coronavirus crisis which has seems to have exaggerated and accelerated all these inequalities um but are you surprised with what's happening in this terrible summer of 2020 in terms of exaggerating inequalities between the extreme rich and everyone else Well, Andrew, uh, I think all of us are surprised by Corona, Uh, unless you were around in uh, 1918. (laughs) We haven't seen anything like this, but I know what you mean. We came into Corona with the real issues of inequality. We saw it erupt into violence in France, in Chile, in the Lebanon, Um, uh, in uh, the United States, uh, most recently after these uh, terrible murders, uh, of, uh, of black, uh, of innocent black people, um, and we're likely to emerge from Corona with even greater inequality, and that's why I addressed the letter to the reader uh, in 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 my book, uh, saying that I hope the message of uh, these pages leads our governments to bring social justice to their stimulus measures, because otherwise. The recovery is going to exacerbate inequality even more, and we're likely to see even more violent rebellion against our system. Ronnie, you're calling for a fundamental reorganization, almost a a re-architecting of early 21st century capitalism. What needs to happen in your mind? What do you argue in impact? And uh, you also summarize this in a, in, in a, in a quite uh, compelling Financial Times uh, op-ed last week, too. 
Yeah, I, I believe, Andrew, that we need to bring impact to the center of our economic system alongside profit so that our economic system is driven uh, by entrepreneurship, business leadership, investors, consumers, employees who seek to make money but to improve lives and the environment at the same time. And I think the way to achieve this is to measure impact, uh, to measure it in a dependable way so that uh, we can look at the performance of companies uh, in terms of both their profit performance and their impact performance. And the op-ed to which you just uh, referred basically says there's a parallel with 1929. In 1929, after the Great Crash, investors sat up and realized that they hadn't known what profits the companies they were investing in were making. Quite simply, every company picked its own accounting principles and there were no auditors to verify the truth of, of the figures that were being published. And in 1933, the US government, as you know, uh, brought in legislation to established generally accepted accounting principles and uh, the use of independent auditors. Now, sitting here in 2020, we have $30 trillion of investment going into environmental, social and governance investing and impact investing, whose goal is to achieve more than make money. And yet we have zero transparency about the impacts that companies are creating. And it is possible with technology and the data that's become available now to look at the environmental and the social impact that companies create through their products, their employment and their operations. And if governments were to mandate now that uh, three years from now, companies must publish alongside their regular financial accounts, new impact weighted accounts, it would enable us all as investors, as savers in pension funds, as consumers, as employees, to see transparently what our companies are achieving in terms of damage or contribution to the world as well as profit. So let's take the example of Amazon, which I used at the beginning, uh, without wishing to blame everything on Jeff Bezos. He's obviously a very brilliant businessman. Um, and uh, I don't think there's anything dishonest about how he's acquired his wealth. But how would it work in terms of Amazon, your uh, impact re-architecting of, of capitalism? Would the government assess the, the social and environmental costs of Amazon's profitability and thereby tax it? Or would the profits of Amazon be redistributed? You know, in the, in, the, in, in the same way that um, a government stayed out of defining generally accepted accounting principles created the, the SEC uh, in, in the United States and, and created it in, in the 30s um, to protect investors, uh, we would use a similar approach to implement generally accepted impact principles. And these principles would basically say, let's look at the employment impact of Amazon. Uh, let's look at the local demographics around its facilities. 
and let's see how they're reflected in its employment. And if there's a gap between the two, let's measure the number of people from these excluded communities who would have been employed and let's attach to them the salary levels that they would have earned. And that would give you a very significant number which would come off Amazon's profit. So you can measure diversity today and you could look at the diversity impact of Amazon. You could also look at whether it's paying a fair wage, whether it is uh, paying uh, women less than men or other uh, groups uh, less than the average, uh, and you could put numbers to those as well. So you, you would then end up with a net figure for the positive employment uh, that um, uh, uh, Amazon is creating and for the negative um, uh, effects of its employment uh, policies. You then look at its operations. Um, do, their, do, do, do their operations create environmental damage? Uh, and you would quantify the tons of CO2, it's publicly available information, and you put a, a, a price per ton on that. And so you measure the environmental damage in that way. Then comes the issue of what is the product impact of Amazon. And that's more complicated in Amazon's case uh, than it is in the case of a food company or an automobile company uh, or, or, you know, or any other a company manufacturing a physical product, obviously. Social media companies um, uh, have to be measured by different metrics. Uh, what is the social impact um, of, of Amazon's uh, uh, services? Um, I frankly have not spent much time thinking about it, but it is possible to think about it and to define uh, certain metrics for it. You use the phrase fair wage. Um, yeah. My ears certainly perked up with that phrase. I'm sure many of our listeners as well. Uh, Jeff Bezos, as I said at the beginning of this show, yesterday earned, quote unquote, $13 billion, while someone working at one of his Oklahoma plants, if they were lucky to keep their job, would have earned 15 or $18 an hour. What is a fair wage and who is going to determine these things? So I think initially, Andrew, you determine it relative to uh, the top 25% uh, in, you know, of people at similar, in similar jobs in the vicinity uh, of, of Amazon's operations. Or you take uh, the average uh, for, you know, for, for, for those uh, uh, people. So you measure it relative to other companies and what they're paying initially. Now, your question is really a question about redistribution. And the aim of impact-weighted financial accounts is to give an objective view of the impact of, of companies, not to provide incentives for companies um, to enhance their you know, their impact-weighted um, profit um, uh, by skewing, if you like, uh, the measurement of uh, or, or the values that are put on the effects they have. 
That's something for government to do. But if government has transparency uh, on the impact companies are creating, government can provide incentives by saying, if you have a high level of impact relative to the profit you make, you will pay a lower tax rate. And then you create a race to the top, do you see? I, I, I get it, and I, and I really like the idea of it. But speaking to you from California, I know you're in Israel. I, I just, I don't know how it could work in America, where, for example, even when it comes to environmental impact, there's huge disagreement between the two political parties about whether or not there is even an economic, uh, sorry, whether there is even an environmental impact of anything on business. Um, so, so, so what has to happen for your impact revolution to begin? Do you need to convince government? Do you need to convince the electorate? Do you need pol new political parties? So in, in the 1930s, uh, when the debates got going about measuring the profitability of companies on the basis of the same accounting principles for every company uh, and the use of auditors, uh, there were representations to Congress that this would spell the end of American capitalism. Uh, and no doubt we will hear some voices um, saying that if you measure impact and bring it to the center of our economic system through impact-weighted uh, financial accounts, this uh, too will spell the end of American capitalism. But there is a huge body of opinion now among consumers, a lot of them young, who are not buying the products of companies whose values they don't share, uh, who are refusing to work for companies that pollute and uh, use uh, child uh, labor, uh, and investors who refuse to invest in fossil fuel companies, uh, in companies uh, manufacturing weapons or, uh, or manufacturing alcoholic drinks or, or, or whatever. Our values have actually changed. And I think it's the bottom-up pressure that the politicians will recognize on the one hand that will make them look at doing this. But at the second uh, level, politicians are going to realize that they have to do this. So they have no choice. What do I mean by that? Most countries are going to emerge from corona very heavily indebted. Their budgets are going to be very severely constrained. At the same time, the level of unemployment is likely to be very high for a sustained period of time because a large percentage of uh, unemployed people will not be able to find their old jobs back. The companies that used to employ them uh, have slimmed down, basically, and want to hold on to these productivity gains. So how is government going to cope with the social inequalities that are going to result from this and the terrible pain and suffering that's going to be uh, inflicted uh, on the families of, of uh, the unemployed. Well, the only way it can is to get companies to recruit these uh, unemployed people. To do that, you need to retrain them. Uh, you need to encourage the creation of small businesses that are going to absorb the unemployment if big companies aren't going to absorb it. And so government is going to need to bring private investment alongside it into companies 
that help solve the problems we face rather than create uh, new or sometimes perpetuate old ones. So governments actually have to do this by necessity. Who's reading your book, Ronnie? You're, you're Bono, the U2 uh, uh, figure, uh, clearly enjoyed it. He said that you provide a, a, a core operating manual for those seeking to do good while also doing well. Um, but are there politicians reading your your work and, 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 and rethinking their parties and ideologies around the idea of impact and uh, impact economics and capitalism? Certainly the climate issue has led a lot of politicians across the world uh, to wonder whether our economic system isn't just perpetuating these climatic challenges. And I think with the book, hopefully, politicians will begin to understand that the same is true of the social problems we face, that our economic system is redistributing social and economic outcomes in an unfair way and that those who are left behind while others have the opportunity to enrich themselves feel that the system is so unfair that they're prepared to go out into the street and start burning and, uh, uh, and, uh, and so on. So I think that the book comes at a time when Corona has shaken our habits and, and beliefs so much uh, that politicians will be open uh, to thinking about making changes to our system. And then there aren't many uh, ideas on offer, frankly, about how our system can deliver better outcomes than to measure the impact that our companies have. Uh, and in that way, to bring impact alongside profit to keep a selfish profit, if you like, in check. I'm not sure if I agree with you about other solutions. There are lots of other solutions. They're much darker than you. They're much more cynical. There are solutions around xenophobia and nationalism and hostility to one group or another. You seem, uh, Ronnie, to be a, a naturally a sunny person. But let's be serious and dark for a moment. What happens if we if we don't institutionalize some of the ideas you lay out in your book? What happens if we don't begin to fundamentally restructure capitalism? Well, I think the historic parallel with the 30s is a real one, and it's very concerning. Uh, in the 30s, of course, some uh, countries went in the dire direction you've just described, populist regimes that uh, thrived on the basis of uh, of social divisions with horrendous uh, social uh, cost. Um, uh, the other branch of the crossroad uh, was the Roosevelt and the New Deal. And I'm hopeful that most democracies are going to go in the direction of Roosevelt and the New Deal. And part of the New Deal is that our economic system must be made fairer. Just as humanity has evolved, uh, so must our economic system. The challenges we face and the scale that they present today are completely different than 250 years ago. We simply cannot perpetuate a self-defeating system where companies create harm socially and environmentally 
and governments tried to tax everyone in unsuccessful attempts to, to remedy the harm that's been done. We have to shift our companies and the investment that flows to them to bring us the solutions we need. And I think there's been an evolution in thinking over several decades now since the environmental movement got going that has made people very uncomfortable about our system. Uh, you hear of a lot of questioning now of capitalism. And this is a way of bringing a solution. Uh, the others, the populist, uh, xenophobic, uh, racist, uh, narrow-minded, the bigoted um, uh, 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 ideologies uh, would do horrendous harm. So there you have it then from Sir Ronald Cohen. Uh, things cannot continue as they are. Uh, Ronnie, everyone, of course, should read your new book, Impact, Reshaping Capitalism to Drive Real Change. You're in lockdown or in semi-lockdown in Israel. Any other books that you would suggest people read to enlighten themselves in these dark times? Well, uh, there are several uh, books about morality uh, which are emerging uh, now. Uh, one is by uh, Jonathan Sachs in the UK, a great uh, philosopher of our time. Uh, it's called uh, Morality. Another is by Jackie Novogratz called uh, The Moral Revolution. Uh, and I think um, you know, both of those uh, books uh, were worth reading. You've been listening to Keynote, hosted by me, Andrew Key. Make sure to join us the rest of this season as we explore how to fix capitalism. Make sure to visit us at lithub.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. While you're at it, if you enjoyed what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would also help too. Today's episode was produced and edited by Justin Alvarez and the team at LitHub Radio. See you next week, and thanks so much for listening.